0: You're about to listen to A True Story Told Live, because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre, and me, Molly Naylor. Please put hands together for our first speaker of the night, Etta Searle. So, in 2007, I moved to Norwich to start my degree at UEA, and I, woo! <laughs> I did lots of studying that also looked quite a lot like drinking wine and kissing boys who may have been described as mad. <laughs> um, I graduated three years later, moved into a house with some of my absolute best friends, um, carried on with lots of that activity in a similar vein, um, but met one boy who I thought was maybe slightly less mad than the rest of them, and decided that I was going to just kiss him for a bit. We're going to call him the boy that's his name now okay he's the boy so um i was working in norwich he was doing an ma he lived with me for a bit it was lovely and then kind of real life kicked in he graduated and he had to move back to hull to take over his granddad's family business um we tried long distance for a bit it was fairly terrible the majority of long distance in my mind Is me being stuck at Doncaster Station. Has anyone ever been stuck at Doncaster Station? Right, does anyone know what fish poo smells like? (laughs) Because I am fairly convinced that that is what Doncaster Station smells like. Long distance wasn't working, I'd had enough of the fish poo smell. Um, I applied for a job in Hull and got it and moved there to start working as a UCAS and careers coordinator at a sixth form college there. And it was great. Um, My colleagues were really great, the kids I was working with were great, bits of Hull were really great. It was at the time that Hull was applying to um, be the city of culture, which was awesome, there was lots of exciting stuff happening, but actually one of my favourite moments from that time uh, was walking along Way, where we were living in the centre of Hull, um, past a really old married Hull couple holding hands, and as we walked past them, the husband turned to the wife and he said, city of culture, they want to clean that shit up first. (laughs) And I swear, we were walking past what really could have been a human turd. (laughs) It wasn't great. Um, Yeah, so Hull, generally, bits of it were wonderful. Um, It was really cheap. Pints were, like, less than two pounds. We lived a bit like Dickhead Kings at the time, uh, having a wonderful time eating and drinking. But that was only one level of it. And the other level of it was that I'd left my entire support network and all of my friends in Norwich. And I was living in this place with the boy. And he was running this pub, and our schedules were completely opposite. So I hardly ever saw him really. I just remember a lot of that time being in the flat above the pub, listening to the kind of drunken karaoke and fighting that was going on downstairs and feeling really on my own and feeling a bit like that wasn't really in my control. And it started sort of triggering this kind of anxious thing in me. I felt really anxiety ridden. Um, I felt like I wasn't in charge of my life. I didn't have any control over the situation that I was living in. It was really kind of miserable actually. Um, And the job was very stressful for the boy, Um, and uh, it was kind of causing a bit of tension, neither of us were very happy, so we decided in the end, fuck it, we we tried Hull, we did it for a bit, we're going to go back to Norwich, where all of our friends are, so we moved back, got this house in NR3. It was wonderful. Both got jobs that we really liked. Uh, did a secret wedding. May have pissed off some people who were sat over there about that. Sorry, guys. Um, but it was wonderful. It was marvelous. And we were having this lovely time. And life kind of felt a bit more manageable again. My anxiety was much lower. I was feeling much calmer about things. And then... Uh, sadly, in the January after we moved back to Norwich, um, oh, so I didn't mention, when we lived in Hull, we lived with my then 93-year-old, and at this point, um, 97-year-old grandfather-in-law, who was a real character. Uh, Some people here have met him, Vic, he was wonderful. Um, And sadly, that January after we moved back to Norwich, um, Vic passed away, and it was really sad and kind of expected, because he was very old, but you can never prepare for that kind of thing. Um, And... Unfortunately, it hit the boy really hard, um, and his mental health just really declined. It was like six months of kind of seeing this person really, really get very unhappy, and it was really tough. Um, And I think one of the things that people don't tell you about living with someone who's suffering from depression is it's really hard to see them feeling this dreadful about themselves, but also it can have a real effect on how you feel about yourself if they're the kind of most important person that you're seeing all the time. And I had this year, well, six months where I was sort of not really looking after me because he needed looking after more and I was going to work. He'd stopped working. It was really, really tough. Um, And I didn't have any space for my own stuff. I didn't think I needed it. I didn't think it was a priority. Um, And then kind of uh, I got asked to go on this big walk. Um, It was going to be doing sort of 70 to 80 miles of the southwest coast path with three other really excellent women. And I was a bit like, why are they asking me? (laughs) A, they haven't seen me for months because I've just been hiding. B, I'm not a walker. Um, I was not very fit. And C, I didn't really like nature. Hadn't done it. Wasn't that into it. And I was going to be walking along the sea for four days. Um, But I thought, you know what, fuck it. I need some time. I'm going to do it anyway. So I went on this walk. was feeling quite worried about leaving the boy. Uh, at home on his own, but I did it anyway. And we saw some wonderful things. Um, This, like, kite flew out of nowhere right in front of us and picked something up from a cliff, and we walked through a bit of uh, the coast path that literally felt like you were in Jurassic Park. It was amazing. But none of it was really hitting me. I think I was still quite... My brain was elsewhere. I was feeling quite highly anxious. I couldn't really take it all in. Um, And there was one night uh, where we'd done a big, long walk, There'd been some real serious chafing issues. Uh, (laughs) My friend's chapstick was used as a thing that chapsticks aren't usually used for. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I was feeling really, really anxious and like I couldn't do it, like I wasn't going to be capable, I wasn't going to be able to do it. And I uh, rang the boy for a bit of reassurance. And unfortunately, I did not get reassurance. I kind of got the opposite. So it was like two in the morning and I was like, I just need to call him. And uh, I rang him and he sounded weird something didn't feel right and there was someone else in my house with him that wasn't really meant to be there and it was uh not ideal and this kind of pit of something kind of nestled in my stomach and it just was there um and I didn't sleep at all um but I did do the next two days of the walk I managed it on no sleep I did it I saw some more amazing things tried to take as many of them in as possible and I went back to Norwich and I made it I didn't I didn't fail I could do it woo thanks um Got back to Norwich and uh, things just went downhill if I'm honest. It was another six months of his mental health getting worse and worse and my anxiety, that kind of pit of fear growing and growing and I was pushing and pushing and trying and trying and it was doing really bad things to my self-esteem. It was really making me think who was I and was I being good enough and this kind of feeling that if I tried harder and if I was better then maybe he'd feel better and it would be all right and everything would be fine and just wasn't working and we grew further and further apart and one day he came into the bedroom that was our bedroom once and at that point was just my bedroom and he told me that he didn't want to be married to me anymore and it was horrible (laughs) it was the most painful and scary and disappointing moment of my life up to that date um it I didn't I'd never felt that way before. It was like a physical... It was like that pit of fear had just, like, overtaken everything. Um, and it's at this point I have to say how fucking excellent my friends are. <laughs> like, I... They came in, they scooped me up, they took me to their house, they gave me somewhere to live, they fed me, they let their cats sit on me, they were amazing. Like, um, they were so good. And they helped me to move out and find a flat, which I, they then helped me to move into. So I started this period of my life uh, living on my own for the first time ever. I'd never done that before. Um, and it was scary. And i would tell you this, <laughs> there is nothing like being completely by yourself to really have to face the nature of the beast that you are facing. You can't not think about it when you're by yourself. Um, I really couldn't avoid those feelings that I've been thinking and feeling and thinking about this idea of not having any control and this fear about who I was and whether or not I was good enough and realised I had these real issues with abandonment and all sorts of stuff that felt really naughty and horrible. And But I had to sit and think about it. I had to sit and face it. I had to sit and work out what it was saying to me. Um, my friends continued to be amazing um, throughout that time. And I couldn't have done that work if I wasn't supported by them. They were so good. They... One, two of them had babies and made me a real part of those babies' lives. Uh, they would take me out drinking until 3am in the morning when I didn't want to go home by myself. I got burgled in that time, that was shit. And they bought me a curry and made me feel safe in my house again and it was amazing. And um, it was on one of these nights out with these guys that were being so wonderful to me that I um, heard about a thing called the Enneagram test. Has anyone heard of that before? Yeah, it's like a personality test and someone mentioned it in the pub and it splits you down into these nine types and it's meant to be about your like essential core of who you are. And I thought, you know, I'm doing the work, I'm doing the self-exploration, I'm doing the self-investigation, I'll give it a go. So I um, did this test and it told me I was a type two, a helper, and I was reading about what that meant and I was like, oh, it was a little bit like being punched with truth in the stomach. <laughs> um And the Enneagram sort of talks about these essential qualities that we have and um, that if we're a bit out of whack, they get out of balance. And that's when kind of our negative traits come up. And it was those negative traits that I was looking at and I was thinking, oh, that's, that's all the things I've been feeling about myself, that I'm kind of possessive and needy and a bit controlling, but not really in control and that I need people to tell me that I'm okay. And it was all this kind of horrible thing. But then I read more about it and I thought about it more in context of how my friends had been treating me and my family had been treating me, and how I'd been doing in the six months that had gone, and I realised that what the anagram was saying is that those bad bits of us, the like nature of our beastly side, are really closely linked to the bits of us that are the best. And I c- think I kind of it was this real moment where I was like, oh, like the nature of my beast is the the nature of the beautiful bits of me, and it's why I have these amazing friends and this amazing support network, and it's why I'm good at my job, and it's why. I can feel more confident in the fact that, like, I'm all right, (laughs) you know? And I'm brave, and I'm resilient, and it was great, and I was really pleased to read it and understand that. Um, In that time, I also went on another walk, and it wasn't as fucking terrifying, (laughs) and I did it, and um, I'm going on another one this summer. Um, And, yeah, I'm feeling much better about things, and I think I just, yeah, my point, hopefully, is that. Things can be really shit and horrible things can happen, uh, but I think if you face them head on and think about you in them, then maybe you'll see that the nature of your beast is also the nature of your beauty. Thank you.